Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Podcast of last week's message and listening to Darren with his topic of just following instruction and using Saul as an example. I was amazed at how the Holy Spirit works because, as I said, it was a complete transition from hearing and doing to biblical instruction. And this thought came to my mind as I remember something that I heard a while back. There was a preacher that said this, if God does not judge America, he would have to apologize to Solomon Gomorrah. I'm on record today to tell you God ain't apologizing to nobody. So God will judge. If not, he's not already doing judging America right now. Another preacher who was commenting on the song, that song I think to all major league baseball parks today in the seventh inning, God bless America. He was critical of the song and basically said God should condemn America. Both of these pastors were severely criticized for their bold statements. Their words were rejected as being radical, unpatriotic by many government officials, and deemed inappropriate by many religious leaders. But their words strike a similar resemblance to the words of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Like those two preachers, Jeremiah prophecy of God to God's people in his day was not very popular. Wasn't received well by his fellow countrymen. They accused Jeremiah of being a traitor and attacked them verbally and mentally and even physically. So I want you to keep that thought in mind as we look at a synopsis of the book, how Jeremiah prophecy to God's people, the nation of Judah and Israel, compares to what should be said today about America. You see, in chapter 17, Jeremiah begins to warn the people that God was just about to judge them for their sin, which results in the nation being taken into captivity. But then in chapter 32, Jeremiah is put in prison because of his preaching. But the city is now surrounded by the Babylonian army under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 34, we find that Nebuchadnezzar and the army of the Babylonians has taken over the city. The walls have fell and they're coming in and they take the elite people, Daniel being one. 
to exile in Babylonia for 70 years. All along, this was the preaching of Jeremiah because of your sin. God is going to judge you. Just submit. Go on in, build houses, and take your punishment for seven years. You see, early in the book, Jeremiah really gets to the source of the people problem of his day. And I believe it's, it's, a, it's a fitting and appropriate that the same problem that they had, we have today. Right. See, in their hearts, they felt that God would not allow this to happen. It can't happen to us. We're God's people. It can't happen to us. We're America. But God told Jeremiah, the source of the problem is the heart. These people got a heart problem. So I invite you to join me in looking at these scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 24. English Standard Version pens it this way. But they did not obey or incline their ears, but they walked in their own counsel. And the stubbornness of their evil hearts, they went backwards and not forward. Oh, I know we think as a nation we're progressing. Technology is way up here. But spiritually we are going backwards and not forward. Jeremiah speaks again of the heart in chapter 11, verse 8. Yet they did not obey or incline their ears, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart. It's a price to pay. Therefore I brought upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. Here's the covenant. I will be your people if you serve me. But if you don't, I'm going to leave you to yourself. The words of Jeremiah implies an act of rebellion. And Jeremiah, the preacher of that day, like me, became frustrated that his prophecy was having no effect upon the nation. He was hurt. He was confused. Doctor, as he wanted to quit, said, I'm not going to speak anymore. Been there. But there was something on the inside. Jeremiah called it a fire. Shut up. In my bones. He couldn't understand it. Y'all so Dr. Dunbar. Couldn't understand it why people won't respond to the goodness of God. So like Jeremiah number, the Lord explains the reason why. Get to our head verse, chapter 17, verse 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablets of their hearts. And on the horns of their altar. You see, the sin of Judah, which was deep-seated in their culture, 
concerning their religious practices. Iron is the strongest metal of that day known to man, and a diamond was the hardest mineral. The only thing that could penetrate the iron was a diamond. So the sin was chiseled on their hearts of stone. And once it was chiseled, you couldn't put white out on it. Couldn't, couldn't erase it. It was a permanent condition. And I submit to you that all the violence that you see going on in this country, it's a permanent condition of sin. We can put in all the laws we want to, but until man get right with God, the altar, it was a place where the people continually brought their sacrifices daily. But on the altar, they had four horns, one on each corner, that held that sacrifice in place to keep it from falling off the altar. But every time God looked at that sacrifice for sin, he saw their sins. And since he saw their sins, their sacrifice was not accepted. This leads us to verse 5 in chapter 17. Thus said the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Can we look at that again? Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. It's right there in the word. Now, this concept of this word trust is completely relies upon. To completely rely upon something. In this case, completely relying upon one's flesh and one's heart, which we already know is deceitful. The people are not following God's ordained instruction. But they placed their trust in what, y'all hear me now, what seemed right, what sound right, what looked right, and what felt right in their mind. They followed their heart desires. Examine with me verses 9 and 10 of chapter 17 again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, it says in the, e, in the ESV sick, and the King James said, desperately wicked. And then there's a question, now, who can understand it? You can't, I can't, but God says, I search the hearts and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Not according to how you feel. Not according to what somebody told you. God is leading people. And people, when you make this statement, God knows my heart, you are the show. You are the getting terror. Because y'all know some of them thoughts you don't have that don't nobody know but you. 
but God knows him. You see, feelings of the heart are unreliable. They're subject to change and therefore they're untrustworthy. How is it in this country, and if any of y'all look at ID on CNN or some of the mother who done it, real life, how is it that people can stand before God and tell a wife or a husband, I love you, death do us part, and then you the one to take him out? <laughs> oh, I give my heart to you. And then you take their heart out. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's changeable. How can you love somebody who didn't hate them? So I want us, in the time that the Lord to us, to look at six areas where Judah did not follow God's instruction, but they followed their heart. And the first one is worship. First one is worship. Jeremiah 17, verse 21 through 23. Thus said the Lord, take care for the sake of your lives. Do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day or bring it in the gates of Jerusalem. Do not carry a burden out of your house on the Sabbath day or do any work or do any work but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your father. Yet they did not listen or incline their ears here you go Jeff but stiff from their necks that they may not hear or receive Instruction. Y'all hear me now. Judah's problem was not the non-availability of instruction. It was not the lack of instruction. It was not the misunderstanding of instruction. It was total rejection of instruction. I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to do what I want to do. I know that's what the Bible says, but that don't apply to me. Or, or another way of putting it is, I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. God ain't through with me yet. The famous TV host, y'all seeing me host Family Feud. Professing to be Christian and every time he does something unchristian like that's his favorite saying. God ain't through with me yet. I thought God finished his work. <laughs> and I've been hearing him say it for over 20 years. Move on, Wilcoxon. <laughs> See, one of the instructions in the Old Testament was for God people to keep the Sabbath day especially set apart from other days of the week. By not working on that day. Y'all hold me. I know what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath was a day of rest. But more importantly, it was an opportunity, Jeff, for them to express their faith in God 
to provide on that seventh day. Thus it was more than a day of rest from labor. It was also a day to honor God through worship. It was a day of reflective thanksgiving, Kalea. <laughs> However, the hearts had a desire for materialism. That made keeping the Sabbath day wholly difficult. So in their minds, it made sense to work as much as they could. And what they justified was saying, well, if I work more, I can get more, and I can give more to God. But the problem with that was they were not giving God the best lamb or the best sheep. They were giving God leftovers. So I'm wondering how many of us think God's going to be satisfied with our leftovers. <laughs> okay, clear it up, Will Costa. We don't worship on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. But the Sabbath violation in this text, in the Old Testament, was not about performance. It was about, about a principle. And that same principle applies to the Lord's Day that we as Christians celebrate on Sunday. Break it down, okay. Our assembly together on Sunday is an expression of our faith in Jesus who conquered death through his resurrection. And the Bible gives us several instructions about that assembly. One is Holy Communion. Do this as often as you will and you show his death till he come. Another instruction the Bible says, it says, fail not to assemble ourselves as the man of psalm. Yet we will do anything we can not to come. Choirs that kept some of us look for excuse not to come. My wife and I had a good excuse this morning. Been up since 3 o'clock because our home, car home was going on. Wasn't in the best of mood, no way, because we had a hard week. You'll find an excuse if you want to. But what does God instruction says? Like God don't know you tired. God don't know you don't feel well. Number one is worship. Number two is ingratitude. Harry, I want I think think you will like this. Ingratitude. Jeremiah 32. Now keep in mind now, people are all around the city getting ready to come in. Verse 21. Jeremiah reminded the people of something. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonder, with a strong hand and outstretched arm, and with great terror. Listen, Deacon Taylor. And you gave them this land, which you swore to their fathers to give to them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it, but did not obey the voice, obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have made all these disasters come upon them. 
They were ungrateful, ungrateful for all that God had done. Do you realize for most of us in here that 120 years ago your ancestors were slaves? Do you realize all the people today that may have a college degree that my daddy could only go to the ninth grade? And if you think about the fact that we had an African-American president a couple of, of, of years ago, how far God has brought us and people used to come to church when there was no air conditioning. Didn't have cars. And now we got the bed, prop, and prime to get people to come to church. And when they get here, they don't want to worship no way. They're more concerned about me shutting up so they can get out here and eat them leftovers they had for a few lives. Ungrateful. But like today, the people of Judah did not listen to God's instruction. Now y'all heard this phrase several times, incline their ears. It implies a desire to hear what's being said. The people did not want to hear what God was saying. Stiff neck. That's another word to him. Jeff, Jeff did the same. It is exactly what he said. It's the fact that, that you can't turn your head. But I want you to think about something. When you don't agree with something, you have a habit of doing this. Shaking your head from side to side. Y'all know that, don't you? Some of y'all do it unconsciously. You don't even know you're doing it. When you don't agree with something, you go... But you only turn it so far. God is trying to get you to turn it all the way around to go back to him. But you're saying, stiff neck. The word is stubborn. That is determined to do it the way you want to do and reject instruction. Judah, Judah, Failure to follow instruction was an act of outright ungratefulness for all that God had done for them in the past. God has been good to our nation. He has blessed us in many ways. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been out of this country before, but y'all don't realize how good you got it. Now, I want to let some people know, because a lot of times people have been out of the country and they're on cruises, but they stay within wherever the cruise director tells them to stay. And I don't do that. When we went on a cruise, we went out in the barrios. We saw how they really live. And in our military uh, adventures, when y'all see places in the Philippines, like Manila, you see the city. You don't see the country. You don't see how real people live. 
You are blessed to live in this country. And you should be thankful. That was what the fourth was supposed to be all about. You got freedom. You're supposed to be thinking, well, who did you think? Lincoln? Washington? Obama? Or did you really think about thanking God that you got freedom? But Jeremiah's words should remind us as Christians today that there's a price to pay for not heeding God's instruction. Number one, worship. Number two, ingratitude. Number three, corruption. All y'all got to do is look at Washington. And you'll see corruption. Jeremiah 32 Verse 31 through 34. This city has aroused my anger and wrath. From the day it was built to this day, so that I will remove it from my sight. Now stop right there for a minute. God is saying, I am no longer going to look on these people of mine. And don't fool yourself. God can turn his back on this country even though we got on our money in God we trust. At any time he desires, he can turn his back just like we turn our back toward him. Why? Verse 32 tells us. Because of all the evil the children of Israel and the children of Judah that they have did to provoke me to anger. God is not pleased and God does get upset. Notice what it says, there are kings, and there are officials, there are priests, and there are prophets, men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned to me their backs, and not their face. And though I have taught them persistently, they, they have not listened to receive instruction. Jerusalem is where the temple of God was built to honor him. And they had these houses all around the temple and the people would build their houses and on the roof of their houses they would go up and take incense and, and, and offer the incense up to Baal. See, Baal was the god of fertility as well as weather. So if they wanted the crops to grow and they wanted the sheep to be got sheep, they would offer it to Baal and say, Baal, make my garden grow, make my sheep have two sheep instead of one. And notice all classes of people participated in this, including the religious leaders, the prefect and the prophets. Number one, worship. Number two, ingratitude. Number three, corruption. Number four, idolatry. I want you parents to pay attention to this one. Verse 35, chapter 32. They set up their abomination in the house that is called by my name to the Father. Now, where do you think that is? The church. Verse 35. They built the high places of Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnon to offer up 
their sons and their daughters to Molech. Though I did not command them, nor did I in my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. The people of God mistook God's grace for Baal's blessing. So in addition to burning the incense on their own private home roof, they went to the temple of God. They went in the church and burned incense in the church to Baal. And that wasn't bad enough. Later they saw the success of other nations that were sacrificing their kids. And that means they were killing their kids. Placing them on an altar and burning them to this God, Molech. But they saw the people getting blessed. So God people started to sacrifice their own kids because it made sense in their mind. They followed their heart. And I got a challenge for you young parents. I call it the four P's. The problem with parenting is peer pressure. Say it again. The problem with parenting is peer pressure. What it implies is that you are due for your children because other parents are doing for theirs. And your kids are smart enough to use your emotion and your heart against you. And you ought to know what's better. But they say, Gary and daddy is letting him do that. Again, the problem with parenting is peer pressure. We talk about the kids having peer pressure. That ain't no pressure. Because you, if you rule in your household, they ain't going to give in to peer pressure because they're going to be afraid of you. It's the peer pressure you have as parenting. Well, I would never offer my child up to Molin. We're offering our children to foreign gods by giving them unlimited, unsupervised access to video games, to Xboxes, to cell phones, to social media. We don't know what these kids are doing. And if you ain't figured it out, they smarter than you anyway. They know how to do things on the phone that you would never know how to do. So if God is leading you, take it away. And for you, you real good loving parents that don't like to punish your kids, you ain't following instructions. The Bible says, spare the rod. That's what the Bible says. But in your heart, you say, I ain't going to do that to my little president. And then when they get 18, I see them on the news. And I see you saying, he was a good kid. He just got mixed up with the. (laughs) 
problem ain't your children, the problem is you. God instructed you to train them up, not train them down. Number five is humanism. Now, this one, this one takes a little, little thing that I want you to really understand. We're buying into a culture that's far away from God. Let me read the scripture and I'll explain what humanism means. Chapter 35. Now, by the time we're in chapter 35, the poor people that were left in Jerusalem, they left them there. Their lead is being taken to Babylon. But there were some, along with the king, that were running away, trying to get to Egypt, trying to find a way to escape what God has already decreed. And verse 13 says, Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declared the Lord? The commandment that Jonadab, the son of Rechah, gave to his son to drink no wine has been kept. And they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken persistently, but you have not listened to me. Humanism is the process of attaching prime importance to what humans or people think rather than what God says. I don't have to tell you about the agenda of LGBT. You don't know what that means. Lesbian, gay, transgender. And now they're adding another one on that now. Chief. Queer. And it's against the law in some areas to do certain things, to say certain things. But what does God call that? Sin. But we ain't got nerve enough to say it. We're not really following God's instruction. We excuse it by saying, if that's what they want to do, it's okay. No, it's not. Jeremiah was told by God, I want you to go and do something. I want you to go and find the sons uh, of Rechab, John and Dad. And I want you to offer them some wine. And he did, and they said, no, no, we ain't going to drink it because Dad told us we ain't never supposed to drink it. And God said, now look, they obey human laws, but they ain't obey mine. Folks, that's humanism. When we begin to get away from God's word. Jeff, the problem is a lot of us don't know what the word of God says. This nation has passed laws that are in direct opposition to God's law. And yet we continue to elect government officials who support personal agenda. See, I vote on a principle. I don't vote for a candidate. And you can criticize that all you want to. I'm going to vote for a principle. I'm going to look at God's word. And I'm going to see what God's word says. Then I'm going to look at the candidate and see what he's supposed to stand for. 
Last one. Obedience. Obedience. 35, 15. I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil ways, amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave you and your fathers. But you did not incline your ears to listen to me. Didn't want to hear. Today, many people won't come to church because they don't want to hear what God is saying. They're going to blame me and attribute God's word to my thoughts. But again, this word inclined means the desire to hear. Do you really want to know the truth? I have this, uh, this, this ongoing conversation sometime with Deacon Taylor. And uh, Deacon Taylor is, is uh, heavy into this uh, cancer thing with prostate cancer. And uh, I tell Harry, I said, men don't want to know. That's really they don't they, they don't want they think about it. I ain't gonna let nobody stick his finger in my behind. No, that ain't your issue. Your issue is you don't really want to know if you got it or not. You would rather live with a death sentence on you. I mean, you got cancer. Take appropriate action to deal with it. I'd rather not know. And then when it gets to a situation where you can't help it, it's too late. And that's the very reason that when you come to church and everything you hear makes you feel good is dangerous. Because you got a cancer called sin. And I'm prescribing spiritual chemotherapy. Spiritual radiation. It's called faith development. <laughs> What's the conclusion of the matter? You would, you would think that the people of Israel, now here they are running for their lives, you know, trying to go to Egypt. You would think that they would have learned their lesson. But chapter 44 is going to show you that their hearts have not changed. Verse 17 and 18 in chapter 44. This is the people responding. But we will do everything that we have vowed making offerings to the queen of heaven. Now keep in mind, now this is after they've been kicked out of Jerusalem, run for their lives. And pour out drink offering to her. As we did, both we and our fathers, our kings and our officials in the city of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Get this now. For then we had plenty of food 
and prospered and saw no disaster. But since we left off making offerings to the Queen of Heaven and poured our drink off to her, we have lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and famine. Instead of blaming themselves, they went back and blamed God. You see, years before, a godly king by the name of Josiah had reformed the nation. He tore down the altars and forbid anyone from worshiping our God. So now they look back at that. You know, ever since Jer- Josiah did that, we've been having a hard time. That's one thing we warn new Christians about. Life ain't going to necessarily be easy because you gave your life to Christ. And you're going to say, I got, I, I had more hell in my life since I was a Christian than I did before. You don't need to look at that. You need to look at your destination, where you're going. America, including the church, has a heart problem. And we need a spiritual heart transplant. And Christians, we are not exempt. You see, they may have taken prayer out of school, but you can still pray at home. They may have taken Bible reading out of school, but we still read the Bible at church. They may forbid you from praying in public in Jesus' name, but you can still pray at church. Christians in America need to rise up, need to rally together, and need to remember we're called to follow God's instruction. As I close, I want you to remember that Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor. Now, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Are you tired of running? Then I invite you to come to Jesus. Let us stand. We really need. A statement of repentance, but we're going to deal with the sinner's prayer. Because there's still some people leaving on the road that may not be. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.